one person that might be listening to an interview that we do with an NFL player and suddenly they start opening up their Bible or going to their church and asking their pastor about who Jesus was, that impacts way more people to me than any work I could have ever done at ESPN. Welcome to the Press Toward the Goal podcast. Very excited to have today's guest join me on the show, all the way from the East Coast of the USA. A man who has spent more than a decade with broadcasting giant ESPN, and now is the director of media with an organization called Sports Spectrum, where sports and faith connects. Jason Romano, welcome to the show. Jason, it's good to be with you, my friend. Thanks for having me. Fantastic to have you on. Um, really appreciate your time. And you're in the United States on the East Coast. I am currently in the United States. I am in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut is right, uh, you know, north of New York City, northeast and right below Massachusetts. And I live right in central Connecticut. Uh, we are probably 10 minutes from where I am right now to ESPN, the place that I worked at for many years. Yeah, fantastic. Looking forward to kind of unpacking that journey where you've been, not only with um, Sports Spectrum now and ESPN, but how you've moved between the two and how that's all played out. What's the sporting scene like for a young person growing up? Very different to Australia, I know that much, but what what's kind of the major sports there that you were involved with? Yeah, good question. I was always gravitating towards baseball as a kid. Um, also, uh, basketball and certainly American football, um, the NFL, when I was probably six or seven, I became a really big Dallas Cowboys professional football team fan. And that was, there's pictures of me at my sixth birthday, uh, that would have been 1979. And I was wearing a Dallas Cowboys Jersey. Uh, I'm from the Northeast in New York and New York and Dallas, Texas are pretty far from each other. Uh, so I was in trying the to make that connection. <laughs> yeah, in the area of New York where I'm from, and the New York Giants are a very popular football team, the New York Jets, even the New England Patriots. Um, but Dallas, I guess when I was a, a young boy, I saw them on television playing, and I saw the star on their helmet, and I saw that's my team. And so I made a decision to, to follow them when I was a kid, and I've still continued that you know, that fan interest, if you will, all the way to today. Uh, I loved baseball. Uh, in New York, baseball is very big, certainly with the Yankees, um, with the New York Mets, uh, who were big when I was a kid growing up uh, in the 80s. And that's my team, the Mets, uh, and even the Boston Red Sox. And, and Philadelphia is not far away. So baseball is very important in the Northeast. Uh, and basketball is a really big sport in the Northeast, particularly with the Knicks, with the Boston Celtics, but with college basketball as well. The basketball teams in college in the Northeast in the 80s growing up, the Syracuse University team, St. John's, the Big East was a conference that was, you know, and it still is around, but was very big uh, in the 80s and kind of growing 
college basketball. So that's where I grew up, you know, in that area where sports was a huge part of my life and, and basketball, baseball, and football, American football were the three biggest sports. Yeah, I suppose you've touched there on the college sports and that's probably one of the major differences between Australia and uh, United States. Is, is the college scene almost as big as the professional leagues over there? It depends on where you live, but if you go to, in the United States, if you go to the South regions, like the, um, you know, there's a conference in college football and college basketball called the SEC, Southeastern Conference, and that has teams like Alabama and LSU and Mississippi. It's a, it's not just big, it's a religion. And I say that, you know, knowing what we're, our conversation is going to be like, but it's a religion down in the South. We went to a a game um, in Clemson, South Carolina last year, and there were a hundred thousand people jam packed wow. on a Saturday afternoon. And, you know, probably half of those were tailgating six to eight hours before the game uh, outside near their cars or wherever. So it's a big deal. College sports, particularly college football, college basketball is a big deal as well, but not anything like college football. I would say college football in terms of popularity in the United States actually goes above professional baseball and probably is on par with professional basketball with the NBA. The wow. NFL is the biggest sport in America and that's been the case for a long time, but college football is, is right behind them uh, as far as popularity. And you would think it's professional because of how it's covered because of the fandom, because of the loyalty, uh, in fact, the fans of college football probably are closer, if I'm being honest, to what you would find from a professional um, soccer club or, you know, a, a football club overseas. Very passionate, very loyal. Um, it's it's life or death, it feels like, when their team loses or their team wins. Uh, so, yeah, college football and college sports are a very big deal here in the United States. Yeah, well, and I suppose that's that's kind of a little bit foreign to me even. Just yeah. our major codes don't even have a draft or anything. So, well, hmm. sorry, the AFL does have a draft, but the other major sport here being rugby league or the NRL, they don't even have a draft or anything. It's kind of all players on pathways from a um, from a young age. So hmm. that kind of progression, the 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 development of the players isn't something which is highlighted so much through the media coverage and everything um yeah. like it is they, over there yeah they have that in the united states you're you're drafted into if you want to play professionally you're either drafted um or in some cases uh if you like in baseball they might not draft you but they'll sign you from another country so it happens a lot with the Dominican teams down in the Dominican Republic, um, down in some of those areas. Players will sign for you know millions of dollars at 16, 17 years old so that those professional teams can have the rights and own them, if you will, to have them be a player on their team. But for the most part, all sports professionally in the, in the, in the United States are from a draft um, initially, like when they're coming out of college or coming out of high school, but the, then there's free agency, which I'm sure they have over where yeah. you are in Australia as well, where you're free and you can sign with whoever you want. And it's basically whatever team offers the most money and the best opportunity, that's where you go. And that's very common here 
for the pro sports in America as well. Yeah. Do you know much about Australian sports? Not much. I wish I knew more, but I don't. I don't know much. Uh, I know rugby is very popular. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know if I know 100%, but that soccer or football is, is very popular there. But that's really it. And I know the Australian Open, you know, it takes place in January. And yep. uh, tennis is a very big sport too. Yeah. So soccer is, or yeah, we both call it soccer more commonly for most people football, but um, yeah, soccer is, I think the biggest junior sport in Australia, but then as people kind of age up a little bit rugby league, which isn't huge in America and even less popular over there, Australian rules football are probably Mm -hmm. two of the dominant codes, but um, yeah, Australians certainly love our sport. So ESPN, when it was born in 1979, September 7th, 1979, their very first show was a show called Sports Center, which is still around. That's the main show that all the highlights are shown on. But one of their first events that they ever showed was Australian Rules Football. No right. 1979. So there's a little little fun fact for you. Yeah, well, obviously people weren't too impressed because it didn't take off. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were, it's funny, ESPN at that time was looking for the rights to any sporting event that they could get, whether it was global, whether it was local, they were looking for rights to anything and they got the rights to Australian rules football. And so they, they took advantage of it and they used it. So, yeah, very good. Um, how did you get your break at ESPN? You know, I wish I could tell you it was this amazing, you know, connection. I ran into this person. But Jason, it's it's quite boring actually. I, you know, was a kid who loved sports and when I got out of college, university, I decided to, you know, go into broadcasting and I got a job in local radio. I got a radio station job there to be a producer. And I did that for 3 years and this is in the early days of the internet. And I applied for a job on the internet in 1999 or early 2000. And I got a call. I I applied for a job that was a radio producer job at ESPN to work on their radio network. And this would have been, you know, around this time, March, April, 20, no, it was 19, no, 2000, the year 2000. So it was 23 years ago. And I applied for the job online. Um, just kind of on a whim. I wasn't even thinking I was going to get the job. And they called me and they said, would you like to come out for an interview to Connecticut? And I was living in New York, which is about a two hour drive. And I said, sure. So I got in my car and I drove out here and uh, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get the job. I didn't have the proper experience. Um, I just thought it was like the coolest thing that I even got called to interview for the job, much less actually get the job. But they were impressed enough to where they they wanted to hire me. The, the, the fun part of the story does go that there were two people that they wanted to hire, me and one other person for the one job that they had posted. And then they liked us both, that they created a second job and hired us both. Uh, they don't normally do that, which, which is great. And I'm glad I got the job. I'm glad Paul, the other guy, got the job. But they don't normally do that, Jason. They normally... Um, you know, you have the job and that's the, you know, what they call head count and human resources that you have the body that you can hire and that's it. And they were able to not only, you know, hire me or hire the other, I don't know if I was one B 
or if I was 1A, but I made the, I made the, the cut and they hired me. And uh, that's how I got the job. And my first job in radio, uh, or my first job at ESPN was as a radio producer. And it was on a show called Mike and Mike in the Morning. And it had just started. It was a pretty popular show for I've a lot of years. ESPN. Yeah. And I, so I worked on that morning show for like a year and then moved on to a couple other shows uh, to work on before departing ESPN radio and going to work for the television side of ESPN. ESPN is very big. They have radio, they have television, they have digital, they have social. There's so many, you know, different um, branches off the giant ESPN tree. Uh, but yeah, I started my career in radio and that was the biggest break you could ever imagine. Yeah, such a global giant, ESPN. Uh, I imagine even at that time, they would have been kind of the pinnacle organization you would have wanted to be involved with. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, in the early 90s, graduating high school and moving on to college. And that's all I watched was ESPN. So it was a big deal for me in high school. So I graduated in 1991 and I got the job at ESPN nine years later in 2000. So in those nine years, ESPN had a huge influence on me as a sports fan, as just a guy who watched sports, you know, all the time and cared about it so much that to work there, uh, you, and then when you get there, you realize it's, it's not just, you know, hugely popular in America, but it is, like you said, it's a global phenomenon, like people all over the world, as far as Australia, all the way to the other side where I am in Connecticut, know what ESPN is, watch it, consume it, are aware of the brand and understand their cultural relevancy in terms of how they've impacted sports over the last, gosh, they've been around now 47, 45 years, 44 years, something like that. That's a long time um, to have a footprint in the sports world. And to this day, even though it's a changing landscape and a changing environment with how sports are covered they're still the number one brand that people turn to when they want to know about anything happening in sports here in america mm. and as people of faith we talk about doors being opened and opportunities that yes. may not um have otherwise come or been made available to us um is that how you saw the, even the two roles being created at ESPN at the start? At the time, I wasn't really a man of faith, if I'm being honest, Jason. You know, I, I had grown up and I went to church a little bit. And, you know, I, I was born into the Catholic church and, uh, and I have no issues or qualms or um, anything negative to say about the Catholic faith at all. Um, but for me, it was more about just going because my parents told me I had to go. And then as I got older and they didn't tell me I had to do anything anymore, once I became an adult, uh, I chose not to go anymore. So faith wasn't really a big deal to me. It, it, there were seeds planted, I think, when I was young, but nothing that I really took seriously or cared about. And it wasn't until about a year after I started at ESPN that I ended up going to church with my brother one day and walking out of that church setting and, you know, talking to him uh, about Jesus, not about church or God or the Bible or mass. It was Jesus. And we started talking about who Jesus was and understanding salvation and 
my brother had become a Christian before I did. Um, and so he was just sharing with me what had happened to him in his life and sharing the gospel in essence to me. And when I heard it, you know, it's not like I got it right away and I was instantly, you know, transformed into this different person, but I said yes to getting on the Jesus horse, if you will, and starting the journey. You know, I said, I'm in, let's go. And it took me about a year to understand what I had said yes to, but that's the day. It was Mother's Day here in America. May, I think it was May 10th, 2001, when I began my journey with Jesus. Now, looking back, certainly, and where I am today, 22 years later as a Christian, I can see that even that ESPN job happening, because there was two of us, was clearly a gift from God. I didn't know it at the time, but now I can look back and say, look at how, like you say, all these little doors that opened up, all these opportunities, all these, these um, pathways that God had provided for me to go into this business and to succeed and to be able to say that I got to work there for 17 years. Like I look back now and say, that's all from God. But at the time, I didn't really have a faith. And so I would not have told you that, you know, when I first got the job 22 years ago or 23 years ago, I would have just told you I got lucky um, yep. because that was my viewpoint at that time. Yeah, that's that's really interesting that you kind of, I suppose you started going on the faith journey when you, when you were already in the door there at ESPN. But uh, how, how did you live out your faith in the workplace and how, how did the person that you are at ESPN, because obviously we've discussed it's such a, a giant organisation and obviously a lot of ambitious people would have been there and a lot of kind of jostling, I even imagine, for for yeah. positions, certain shows or where you wanted to go with your career. What did that look like as a person of faith in such a big place? You know, that took me a long time to even know that that was a thing, if that makes sense. I didn't know that you could live out your faith in the workplace. Uh, the first seven or eight years that I worked at ESPN and also was a follower of Christ, I would not have probably known that I was a follower of Christ first. And I'll explain that. So for many years, after I became a Christian, I went to church. I was in Bible studies. You know, my daughter was born in 2004 and my wife and I made a, a promise. We were going to raise her as a Christian, raise her in the church. And, and we did that. And so we were very aware of our faith, but I don't know if I was aware that you could bring your faith with you to the workplace. And to be honest, Jay, that that's kind of frowned upon a little bit here in the States. I'm sure it's that way in Australia too. Yeah, absolutely. Where you don't want to go into a place like ESPN. And if I just grab my Bible, right. And I say, okay, ESPNers, this is the word of God. And I'm going to preach to you today. That wasn't what I was hired for. So I would have been fired probably <laughs> right away. Um, so that's not how I looked at doing that, you know, about going in and, and preaching. But I will say there was a moment in 2010 with a, a person that I had spent time with at ESPN who asked me the same question you just asked me. How do you live out your faith in the workplace here at ESPN? And my answer was, can you do that? And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like, of course you can do that. And one of that person's friends kind of 
really got in my face and said, listen, Jason, you can definitely do this, but here's, here's what's, what's happening. You are working at a place where there's 3,000 employees in Bristol, Connecticut at ESPN. 3,000. There's a lot of people. It's big. Look at all the people that you can impact for Christ just in the way that you carry yourself, in the yeah, way that you it. live your life, in the way that you do what Jesus says in Matthew 20, to serve and not be served, to give your life you know, to others, to love them, to care for them. That's an example of Jesus. And, you know, I had thought at that time, Jay, that maybe I was getting called away from ESPN. Like if I wanted to live my faith out at work, that I had to work for a church or work for a nonprofit, you know, faith-based company or something like that, or even work for a sports ministry like I'm doing now. I thought that was the only way that you could live out your faith. And I realized I was terribly mistaken. Like, of course, we can all live out our faith wherever we go. But I think the best way to live out our faith is to is to let people see Jesus through you and how you treat them and how you carry yourself, how you conduct yourself when you're in a meeting. Um, how are you acting when you're outside the workplace? Are you doing what everybody else is doing? And, you know, maybe you're going to the bars or, you know, getting drunk or, or doing some things you shouldn't be doing. Are you doing that? And hopefully my example would be, no, I'm trying to live my life like, like Jesus would want me to live. And I think that's the best way to be an ambassador for Christ. But I also think right around that time, Jay, in 2010, social media started to really take off. And I started joining Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all these social media sites. And I started sharing Bible verses on there. Nothing too you know, intrusive, but I just started sharing Bible verses and a few people who I worked with, in fact, quite a few people were following me just like I would follow them because we were friends and we were coworkers. And doing that, suddenly they were seeing that I was sharing a Bible verse. And so that was showing them that my faith was pretty important to me. And again, very non-intrusive. I wasn't trying to push people towards the Bible or be a Bible thumper or anything like that. But I wanted to be open about my faith. Um, and, and by putting that out on social media, quite honestly, that brought with me some accountability to have to act the way that I'm saying I'm going to act, you know, or to if I'm going to back up how I share my Bible verses on Twitter, I need to back that up with the way that I do my job to do it well. I have to do it by the way that I treat people um, and do it the, the way I would want God to be pleased with me. And so I, I would I tell people this all the time, Jay. For many years, I was identified as an ESPN producer. And for many years, I, I bought into that identification as who Jason was. And so for me, if you had asked me who I was at that time, I would have said, well, I'm, I'm an ESPN producer who happens to be a Christian and a husband and a dad. But after that day, and it took me about a year to grasp this, but I realized, no, I'm not an ESPN producer who happens to be a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ first, everywhere I go. And all of the rest of it falls underneath that. So That's I'm a good. follower of Christ who happens to be an ESPN producer. I'm a follower of Christ who happens to be a dad, who happens to be a husband, who happens to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, a leader in my church or the guy who goes to the grocery store to get food or the guy who goes to the gas station. Everything falls underneath 
me being a follower of Christ. And once I got that figured out, it's like a little bit of a shift in identity. It changed everything because now I, I can walk freely in knowing that Christ is with me everywhere I go, not just with me on Sundays or in a Bible study in the middle of the week. No, Jesus is, is who I identify with and who I follow and everything else kind of comes from that. It's, it reminds me of the Bible verse in Matthew 6.33. Jesus is actually talking to his disciples and saying, listen, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. And yeah. I think about that verse all the time. I don't always get that right. In fact, I get it wrong a lot. But it's a great reminder that Jesus is telling us to seek him first before anything else. And if we do that, all these other things will take care of themselves. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, I, I do speak to athletes and ask them about their faith in the workplace. And we, yeah. we kind of, as Christians, sometimes have a conception or a belief that, oh, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be out there sure. or overt or anything. But my own experience and the people I've spoken to, even in professional sporting environments, quite masculine, macho environments, they're, it's something which is well received and it's almost in our own heads that it's a, an issue that we build it up to be. Yeah, I think the problem is sometimes Christians, um, like other humans, can sin and can mess up and can act with rage or anger and can treat people poorly and can make mistakes and say things they shouldn't say. They can act on things and, and sin in so many different ways. And I think the world, and mostly social media, I think, and maybe some of the mainstream media here in America, will identify people. Like if you told somebody you were a Christian, they'd automatically identify you on a political spectrum or, oh, you must believe in this, so then you must be this way. And I try to tell people, listen, I don't identify as somebody who votes this way or that way, you know, right wing or left wing or conservative or, you know, liberal or whatever it is. I don't identify that way. I don't. I mean, you'll, you'll probably, if you had real discussions with me on some of the hot button topics, I might surprise you in some of the conversations that I have with you. Uh, but I don't want to be identified that way. I just, I hope when people see me and I tell them I'm a follower of Christ, they would sit down and listen to me and I would listen to them and we can have a conversation. By the way, that's what Jesus did. Like he welcomed yeah. everyone to the table, the tax collectors and the sinners and the people who were just an absolute mess. And he said, no, come and sit with me and let me show you, you know, living water. And the bread of life, you know, the woman at the well story, I just think about that woman was broken and had multiple, multiple, you know, uh, partners and ex-husbands and all these other things. And yet Jesus was like, no, nah, I got something better for you. Yeah. I have living water that can, you know, last for eternity. And so I think about that and I just want to, I want people to, to remember anybody that's listening to this, like, especially those who are Christians to sit with people. Christian or not, and, and just listen and talk to them and then share what God has done in your life. And I think the conversation can usually end pretty well. Yeah, our, our testimony, we all have a testimony and our testimony is the best witness, isn't it? For, you know, our personal story, yeah. no one can deny what, what 
God has done in our life and just sharing that, like you say, can be so powerful and um, have an impact on people. What you just said, our testimony is the only thing that we have, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, it says in Revelation. So all we have is our story. And we can't try to convert people because of what they've done or how they're supposed to live. I think the best way to just share with people is to tell them what God's done in our lives, our testimonies, like you say, to always be able to and be prepared. So we need to know what we believe yep. to share and make a defense for the hope that's within us. The hope is Jesus, but we need to be gentle. We need to be respectful. Peter says that in his word, in his, his letter. And that's where I think we mess up because we become very, you know, outspoken and passionate. I mean, you talk about crazy sports fans, whether it's in Australia or the United <laughs> States, those people are rabid sports fans. They love their teams. We can be that way about Jesus. And that's, there's, there's a level that's good. Like we want to be passionate about our faith and just worship the Lord with all that we have, but we have to be mindful that if we're not being gentle and respectful, it can lead to a bad witness of our testimony to other people. And so it's vital, I think, to be able to make that defense, to share with people what God's done in our life, but to be gentle and respectful and knowing that that person that's listening to this might not A, believe what we believe, or B, be as far along or in a certain spot in their journey as we are. So we just got to be mindful of all that. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes the only Jesus that people see is the the persona that we present to them. So absolutely yes. spot on about the way that we conduct ourselves and not just um, talking the talk, but walking the walk as well. Absolutely, Jay. It's so much. I've heard somebody say, you know, always be prepared to share your faith and if necessary, use words. Yeah. And I, I think I like that quote. I don't 100% buy in because I think at some point you actually have to share your story yeah. and use words. But like you said earlier, I think our persona, the way that people see how we treat other people, how we love other people, how we treat our wives and our kids, how we treat them, how we love them. Are we serving others? Are we decreasing ourselves and increasing others and then ultimately increasing in Christ? People see that and they're not going to want to hear in fact, I say this all the time, people will not care about what you know until they know that you care. That's right, uh, yeah. Let me say that again. People will not care about what you know until they know that you care. And I always think if you show care towards other people, that will open up a door to allow you to be able to share your faith and to let them see Jesus through you. And ultimately, that's what led me to Jesus, was watching my brother, Chris Romano, live out his faith, love his wife, love his son, my nephew. And that became attractive to me to then I was open to hearing what the gospel was. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I guess in, in the field which you're in, producing sports content, um, now with Sports Spectrum, um, you've mentioned people knowing that you, you care. Is that something which you're able to incorporate into your work? That's a great question. I think with Sports Spectrum, yes. Um, but I think not as much as it would have been with ESPN, just because at ESPN, I was often working with, talking to, and, and engaging with people who weren't necessarily serious about their faith or had any faith. Um, with Sports Spectrum, the majority of people I'm working with 
are Christians and believers who, who have a passion for the Lord like I do, and also a passion for sports. But I still think you need to treat people with gentleness and kindness and respect, no matter who you're talking to. So if I'm talking to a Christian or if I'm talking to a non-Christian, I hope and pray that I would treat both of those people the same exact way. And so I, that does carry over. I mean, it carries over to places that aren't, you know, overtly Christian. Like I said, going to the grocery store, going to the gas station and, you know, engaging with people. You want to make sure that you're treating people with kindness and um, the way Jesus loved people. Uh, But it does carry over. I think, you know, athletes trust me when I've met them and told them that I want to share their story. You know, coaches trust me and, and, and understand that my goal is not to exploit them or to honestly dig up any, I don't know, any dirt on their lives. That's, that's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. You know, I even, I've had many people ask me about, you know, the negativity about working at ESPN. What were those bad moments? What was really going on? And I said, I'll talk to you in private and making sure all this stuff is off. And I still won't probably share the majority of my stories. I said, but you'll never have me go on the record and publicly bash the company I used to work with. I just will never do that because they gave me so many great opportunities and a wonderful life for 17 years. Uh, Whether I think that they've gone different directions that I don't agree with or whatever, that's not for me to decide or to judge them on. I'm just thankful that they existed and that they took a chance (laughs) on this kid from Ravina, New York, who loves sports. And I got to work with them for 17 years. So I'm not in this business of ripping people apart uh, publicly, and I never will be. And I think that's why so many coaches and athletes and others want to come on our show with Sports Spectrum uh, in America, because they know that my goal is not to put them in a bad position or a bad spot. My goal is to highlight them, to lift them up, but ultimately so that they can lift up Jesus and both of us our ultimate goals are to point people to Christ. And we try to do that with the conversations that we have every week. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I did mention earlier that the kind of motto for Sports Spectrum is where sports and faith connects. And you've shared a little bit there. Can you tell us a little bit more about Sports Spectrum and how they came on your radar? I would love to. So Sports Spectrum was birthed and invented in 1985. There was a basketball player named Dr. J, Julius Irving, pretty famous basketball player. He apparently at this time, when I was told, was a Christian and had an idea to begin something that would include faith and basketball or sports and family. Faith, sports, and family. That's happened. You hear that a lot in, in football today. Faith, family, football. You hear that a lot. So 1985, they start this company called Sport Focus, and it was a TV show, and it was a magazine, and Dr. J was on the cover of the very first Sport Focus magazine, which changed its name two or three years later to Sport Spectrum, with the idea always being to share these sports and faith stories. And they were very successful in the late 1980s into the 1990s, they were very popular, especially among the, the faith you know, world, the churches who were looking for an alternative to Sports Illustrated or to ESPN. And when they found out that Sports Spectrum existed, uh, it kind of took off. And it was very popular in the 1990s. It had a radio show 
that was syndicated uh, in at least 100 different radio stations across the, the northern parts of America. So Sports Spectrum was kind of growing, but it was still a very niche audience, niche audience, however you want to pronounce that, um, of people of sports and faith. And, you know, to this day, what we're doing with Sports Spectrum can be construed as a very niche audience. Um, you know, that Venn diagram, if you know what that is, with sports fans on the left, you know, people of faith on the right, and somewhere in the circle there are the sports fans who love Jesus. That's the the target audience of people that we, you know, report to, if you will, or that we're looking for in an audience. But Sports Spectrum continued into the 2000s, and the magazine was still a popular thing, and the website began to grow. And into the late 2000s, into the 2010s, uh, it was starting to do well, but then suddenly it started to decline a little bit because from the audience perspective, because of, I think, the digital age and sports spectrum, maybe not keeping up at that time with, you know, the newfound digital audience of podcasting and social media. And it changed hands and new ownership purchased sports spectrum in 2016 when that took place, the owners of Sports Spectrum at that time contacted me kind of out of nowhere. So if you want to talk about doors opening by God, this was clearly one of those doors. And we just connected. I think they saw my profile on social media. They saw that I was a Christian and that I worked at ESPN. And I think they saw someone who hopefully had some talent and some experience that was like-minded. Um, and when we got talking and reaching out, this was also a time in my life that I was thinking about, well, do I want to work at ESPN forever or could I pivot and go somewhere else? And I didn't know what that meant. I knew my faith was growing. I knew I wanted to do more for God, but I didn't know how that was going to work out. Ultimately, Sports Spectrum and I, as we were talking, my boss, Steve, we started having conversations and it led to me leaving ESPN to go work for Sports Spectrum. Uh, it was a big leap of faith, uh, very much pun intended there. I mean that when I say that, because <laughs> I was I was not sure if this was going to work out. Um, I was leaving a very comfortable job at the biggest sports media company in the world to go work for a very small sports and faith sports media ministry. And so what did that look like for me? Well, at first it was a little scary, but the thing that I was most excited about, and I still get excited about it today was that their desire was, one, to keep Jesus in the sports conversation. They were not focused on religion, not just all faith. It was Jesus, and that was appealing to me. The second thing was that they asked me if I would start a podcast. Sports Spectrum had been around for a long time, but there had never been a podcast. And so that was very new in 2017 to launch a podcast, and they asked me to host it not just to launch it. And I had been a producer for many years, but never an on-air talent or a host. So when they asked me to do that, you know, that's something I dreamed about since I was in college, but I never thought I had enough talent or ability to do that. So I actually questioned them. I said, are you sure you want me to be hosting this? You know, maybe we could find somebody else that's done this before. And they said, no, we believe that you have been around some of the best interviewers at ESPN and you know how to ask questions. Why don't you host it? I said, I'll, I'll certainly try. And so we launched the podcast March 31st, 2017, six years ago, we launched Sports Spectrum's podcast. And that's what really 
I think helped catapult sports spectrum back up a little bit into the mainstream of sports and faith and, the, and certainly the faith world of media. And then we just slowly but surely built up a little team of about five of us. And for now six years strong, we've been continuing to produce our magazine. Uh, the website content is updated multiple times each day. Uh, we have a podcast I mentioned, plus three other podcasts now. So a podcast wow. network of shows. Um, we have special projects and different opportunities for athletes to share their faith. We have a, an amazing little um, video series right now called I Once Was. If you know the song Amazing Grace, you know, I once was lost and now I'm found. Well, look up the Sports Spectrum I Once Was collection on YouTube or on, on our websites and you'll I've see. I've seen a few. Yeah, these athletes and their short form video, a couple minutes, not long sharing their I once was story about going from being lost to found. And so there's so many wonderful little projects that we're doing with Sports Spectrum. And, you know, none of those happen if my boss and I don't start having conversations six, seven years ago um, that led to God opening up this door. And now it's been six years at Sports Spectrum. I, I miss the people at ESPN. I don't miss working at ESPN because I believe God has ordered my steps to be where I am today and I could not be more grateful. Yeah, you you did obviously win an Emmy during your time at ESPN and you worked on some of the biggest shows on sports TV at the time while you were there. Um, how do you compare the impact that you have with what you're doing now with Sports Spectrum compared to that at ESPN? Wow, that's a really good question. Obviously, the audience isn't as great in size now, but that maybe yeah. the depth or the impact that you're able to have through your work. Well, it's it's interesting. You know, I I totally understand the question. I'm just trying to think of the best way to answer it because I think, I think my time at ESPN was impactful because it reached a lot of people, right? And hopefully, I tried to do all the work that I did with integrity, um, try to be as excellent as I can at the work that I was doing, um, and then on during that time, just as a man of faith, trying to carry myself in the best way possible as a, as a Christian. Right. So I think that that allowed me a platform much bigger at that time to do that in terms of the work I was doing. But I also believe that was all a part of God's plan and setting up my career to be where I am now at ESPN. So that any talents or skills or you know, abilities that I acquired from working at ESPN. Now I could use those same talents and abilities and even find a couple of new talents that I didn't know I had in me at Sports Spectrum. And the work I do at Sports Spectrum, to me, it won't ever reach the audience that ESPN work would reach, but it's the most purposeful, most impactful work that I've ever done and probably will ever do if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, I believe it's going to be the most impactful work. God might have more impactful work, you know, over the next decade. I don't know, but sports spectrum, you know, for us to be able to reach the audience that we reach. And sometimes we reach audiences in the millions, not all the time. That's great. Most of the time it's audiences in the thousands, but that's a good audience too. But if we're reaching those people for Jesus and we're just using sports as a way to do it and other people might use whatever they're doing as a way to do it, music, movies. We're just using sports. We love sports. We really do. But 
our ultimate goal will always be to point people to Christ through the work that we're doing. That was never the case at ESPN. I mean, I, you would hope it would have been, but there just wasn't that same opportunity as there is with Sports Spectrum to really preach and share the gospel of Jesus through these athletes and coaches and everybody else in sports. And that's, that's how I would compare it. Like the work at ESPN was amazing. You know, to have an Emmy is, is incredible to work there and have the experiences that I had were immense. I met my heroes. I met so many of my heroes working there. But now I think about one person that might be listening to an interview that we do with an NFL player and suddenly they start opening up their Bible or going to their church and asking their pastor about who Jesus was, that impacts way more people to me than any work I could have ever done at ESPN. That's, that's great. Ties in nicely with a couple of listener questions as well that I've got. I put a shout out on social media the other day and I've chosen a couple of questions that were sent to me. I, I have one it. from Lorenzo Leno on Instagram who asked, have you ever been completely starstruck or overawed by someone you've worked with or interviewed maybe? Quite often, Lorenzo, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, when you're the biggest sports fan in the world as a kid, and then you get to meet some of those heroes of yours, of course, you're going to be nervous, excited, you know, all of those, those, you know, feelings, anxious, uh, I was starstruck when I met Daryl Strawberry for the first time. This would have been in 2009. Daryl Strawberry, for those in Australia who don't know him, was a very popular baseball player in the 1980s with the New York Mets. And one of the best players in baseball, um, consistently one of the best home run hitters in baseball. And he was my hero as a kid or one of them. And so at 34 years old, in 2009 or 35 years old, whatever I was, I got to meet my hero at ESPN, but not just meet him, but spend the day with him and be his producer for the day at ESPN. And ultimately that led to me becoming friends with him. He wrote the forward uh, introduction to my first book. Uh, and now at 49 years old, I can say that I have a friend out there who was my childhood hero, who's now, and he's also a Christian, by the way, a brother in Christ. That's crazy, crazy to me <laughs> that there's somebody out there that I loved and adored and idolized as a kid that I am now friends with and a brother with in Christ as an adult. That's nuts to me. So that was easily, for Lorenzo's question, Daryl Strawberry, for sure. Very starstruck. In fact, Every so often, he'll call me and just check in on me, uh, and I'll call him or whatever, and I'll see on my phone Daryl Strawberry's name and a picture of him, and I'll just look at it for a second and be starstruck <laughs> that my childhood hero is calling me just to check in. So I think people hopefully would relate to that if you're a sports fan and your favorite player ever was like friends with you. Um, so I still get starstruck being around him, but he's also a friend, and you know I think I can. I've been around a lot of big name athletes enough to where I know I can be professional when I need to be. Um, but inside, you still get starstruck over quite a yeah. few people, for sure. Yes. Oh, I love it. I finish every podcast with the same question for my guest. Um, and I'll ask you, 
How does Jason Romano want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? I think I just want to be remembered as a person who, who loved Jesus, uh, who was very flawed and had a lot of mistakes, but ultimately I tried to live the great commandment and the great commission as best as I could. The great commandment is to love God and to love others. Um, and the great commission is to go and preach the gospel and make disciples. And, you know, I don't know if I do that second part as well as I would hope, but that first part, I, I try to live by that. And I hope that they would say he loved God. He loved his daughter, Sarah. He loved his wife, Dawn, and, uh, and he loved others. And ultimately that's, if that's all it's, if that's all that's on my tombstone someday, uh, then I feel like I've been, I've had a pretty good life if I can love God and love people. That's fantastic. Jason, I could have spoken to you for a lot longer, but uh, time has got the better of us. I really appreciate your time checking in all the way on the other side of the world. It's been great to speak with you. Great to speak with you, Jason, uh, in uh, Australia. And I'm, I'm honored that you would ask me to be on your show. Uh, I know you got up early for this because it's, you know, late afternoon in Connecticut, but uh, I appreciate you. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. And I hope that we can definitely speak again. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Press Toward the Goal podcast, take a minute to give us a rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram where the handle is Press Toward the Goal, all one word. You can also find us on YouTube, where unedited video recordings of the conversations featured on this show will be posted. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to sharing another conversation with you soon.